Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Connor, it's been a while, my friend. Yeah, yeah, you're telling me it's been far too long. I just spent two hours shoveling snow, so this is a breath of fresh air to, to How get much to snow record. Did you get? How much snow did you get? Uh, well, we go by centimeters, but I'm gonna. I'll try and do the uh, the the ch- change over there. I, I I'd say just just a couple inches. It was mostly like ice yesterday, like ice pellets and shit, and then snow today or last night overnight while we slept. So it's been a crappy winter here. We haven't gotten much. Like we've gotten flurries and snow squalls and whatnot, but we haven't gotten any legitimate snow and i'm disappointed because i love the snow i'm a winter guy i love when it's oh, cold we've I got love... legit snow up here we've had ice storms snow storms I, you name I, it we've had it people look at me crazy because when i shovel i shovel in shorts because i like it so i'm, I'm waiting for a nice snowstorm <laughs> you're welcome to take the ones that keep hitting us <laughs> I, I mean i would I, I know other people wouldn't but who knows all right so uh, a lot a lot has happened since the last time me and you got to talk, Connor. Um, let's start off with first. I want to start off. We're gonna get into Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs because I don't know about you, but I'm very happy for for Coach Reid. But the way the Philadelphia Eagles season ended, I don't. I'm pretty sure we we haven't you know had a chance to talk about this. No. Um, what were your thoughts on the Jadavion Clowney hit? Um, the way that the NFL kind of tried to brush it under. Um, I heard an interview. Um, that John Runyon, who who gives out fines and 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 whatnot, I heard an interview with him, and he just said that you know it was right there up against the line, but he didn't cross it, which was bullcrap. If you looked at the play, and he, and especially with the way that they've interpreted interpreted the rules this year, week two in Atlanta, Wentz didn't score on a I think it was either a touchdown or a two point conversion because they because he dove forward and they said he was giving himself up, but this week they said he was or but in the game against in the playoff game against Seattle he wasn't giving himself up. There is a, a, a disconnect there, and the NFL needs to fix the ref problem. It wasn't just the Eagles game because it happened in the New Orleans-Minnesota game when Kyle Rudolph got away with a push-off in overtime. I think it was overtime or whatever. Late in that mm-hmm. game, he got he got away with a push-off, but they called it in the Super Bowl um, on George Kittle at the end of the first half um, against mm-hmm. when the Niners were playing the Chiefs. There is a disconnect there, and I think a lot of people would agree that something needs to be done when it comes to the refs. Yeah, no, Dev, there's a massive disconnect. And and you know what? I think everyone's blaming the refs and you know what? They're they're it's tough to say they're doing their best, but some of those plays happen bang bang while we sit there and watch them in slow motion. They happen far too quickly for them to necessarily make the perfect call every time. But I I'm going I think that the disconnect lies more in in the rules and the way they word things. Because now we have this this issue with what is giving oneself up? Like we now we now got this like extremely really wordy, deep in context definition of pass interference. And now what is giving oneself up is basically the big question with the Carson Wentz hit and the two plays which are almost identical. Like so Carson Wentz so if you're going for the end zone, you're giving yourself up. But if you're just trying to get an extra yard or two, you're not giving yourself self up. That's the issue that I'm seeing. There's a massive disconnect between understanding of the rules and the way the referees call with consistency because the rules don't really allow for consistency. The rules are too open to interpretation and they honestly should not be open to interpretation. And that's what I see as the issue with the refs. I don't think it's the refs. I think that it's the league. The league has to investigate itself and its rules just as much as they have to look into the reference situation in my eyes. But in regards to the hit, it was dirty. His knee was down and I know it's bang, bang. So it's tough for the refs to call, but any type of hit to the head should automatically like, that's the thing I like and respect about college football. The minute the head is involved, there is a flag out and they'll look and they at give, it and or they college, will figure it yeah. out. And in college, they give you the opportunity to, or the, the play will get reviewed because they, you're right. It's, it is a bang bang play. If you throw the flag, maybe it, maybe it wasn't as bang bang, or maybe it wasn't as close as as originally thought. So you have that that instant replay. And if you throw you the flag, if you, if you throw the flag in the NFL, you're basically allowing it to be a reviewable play. 
nine times out of ten, they're not going to review a play where there wasn't a score or there wasn't a flag on the play. They'll never. Well, they don't they have that. They don't have review. that. They don't have that rule in the NFL, which I think they should. Like we, we've gone from a, what is a catch to what is a, what's considered a pass interference now to you know where can you hit the quarterback and in, in what situations? Which it's, the head should never be yo, allowed. That's, that's very true. Never. And I mean, never. it sort of happened. I, I thought it was this the, the the play in the Super Bowl. When Garoppolo got hit in the fourth quarter um, by the I think it was one of the linebackers for, for the Chiefs, that mm. was that that was close. And I, I don't know if that this that was as close as this one, but like there were multiple people, Mike Pereira, who who used to be the head of officiating in the NFL, he said that it was an illegal, dirty hit. And you're right, you know, Clowney could have gotten away with just doing using his shoulder. He legit went with the 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 full front of his helmet or the top of his helmet to hit Carson Wentz. And he was, I'm almost positive that he was surprised that a flag wasn't thrown because everybody knows that something should have been thrown. And now obviously things could have, may not have changed because Carson was out the game anyway. Um, and it came down to Josh McCown who ended up tearing his hair, hamstring and having to play because the Eagles only had uh, McCown and Wentz active. But like you at least... So if you would have thrown the flag there, yes, Carson would have been out, but it would have been in the back of the Seahawks player's mind that you can't hit late. It happened later in the game, not to that extent, but McCown was getting hit when he was going out of bounds. Um, Greg Ward was getting hit late like when he was going out of bounds. You just allowed the Seattle Seahawks to take that extra step that if you would have threw the flag on Clowney early, early in the game, that that wouldn't have happened and maybe things would have turned, away, uh, turned around and the Eagles could have possibly come back. And I'm not saying they would have, but at least that, at least it wouldn't have allowed the Seattle Seahawks to take that extra step to, to try to get pl- more players out the game. Exactly. I think it's the precedent setting aspect of it because then the players understand, okay, we're not going to get away with that. We shouldn't do that. But then you talk about the Jimmy Garoppolo hit in the backfield. The, the situation there is, and that this is why I think that the the play by Clowney was dirty too. Is there is a rule saying you have to shift your body weight away from the quarterback when hitting them? Maybe because he quote unquote didn't give himself up or gave himself up or whatever they want to say. It's a whole different rule. But I think if you're coming down with your weight on the quarterback anywhere's, I mean I know you become a runner and stuff, but still. Even if you're hitting a running back like that or a receiver like that, you should not be putting your body weight all down on the neck, the neck and the head area. It just makes no sense. All- and I mean, I know hindsight 2020, we can't really say what could have been. But I mean, the way that that offense played with McCowan and the way that offense plays with Wentz, I think one can one can assume we might have been able to pull that game out because of the way that the Seahawks were playing. The Seahawks if Wentz weren't, was there. Yeah, the Seahawks weren't, you know, playing well at all. And the Eagles were with Wentz probably were, were I think the, the better team. And oh, damn, I can't even remember what I wanted to say, but, but still it, it, it's just, it's frustrating just mm-hmm. the, the, the way that that game played out because the Eagles, you know, could have been playing into the second round of the playoffs and who knows what, what happens they go to Green Bay. They are, they did win in Green Bay. We don't know if Carson would have been able to play the next week, even though Doug said um, that that he believes that he would have been able to. But Brandon Brandon Brooks wouldn't have been playing. Um, there, there were a couple, you know. So who knows? Um, by the way, did you have a chance yet to start watching that Amazon Prime All or Nothing on the Eagles yet? No, but I definitely am going to. I, I know I, I, it's on my to watch list. I finished it, and like when you get when you get to that to that last episode. I have, you know, throughout the series, Brandon Graham was a star, and I have a newfound respect for Josh McCown. He is a smart guy, and if he doesn't continue to play, he's 40, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't coming off this injury, the Eagles need to find a way to bring him back to be on this coaching staff. Well, he, you kind of you kind of knew, like, all along the way he was on the sideline. He was, like, the hype man on the sideline. But his in, he's been, played football for so long, the intelligence and what he has and the different types of offenses he's seen, that that's what you want in a backup quarterback. That's why it was such a great pickup when it happened because Carson Wentz needed someone like that. And I know him and Foles kind of fed off of each other, but this is a guy who who's – 
knows so much and who can point some things out to you that maybe even a coach doesn't see because this guy's been in the league so damn long and with so many different teams seen so many defenses and so many offenses that you have to respect McCowan even more knowing the whole hamstring thing as well. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's um shift to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, briefly. Andy Reid, finally, after 21 years of coaching, got his Super Bowl ring as a head coach. He does have one. Uh, he does have one from his days in Green Bay. But um, I don't know about you, but I was happy for for Andy Reid. I was cheering on the Chiefs, um, and all the all his former players, most you know, 97, 98 percent of his former players were all cheering for him. From Brian Dawkins, Donovan McNabb, um, Ike Reese, uh, everybody, uh, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher, everybody was cheering on Andy Reid and the Chiefs because, you know, every, everybody knows what Andy Reid has been through. And just having that opportunity to get the Super Bowl. And, and it's funny that the Super Bowl kind of played out like it did 15 years ago. Fourth quarter, Chiefs down by 10. What was back in Super Bowl 39? Eagles were down by 10. And you and you see just the way Andy Reid has evolved as a head coach and the way like the, the game plans that he devises. Um, it does help when you have the best quarterback on the planet um, in Patrick Mahomes. But but I was happy for him and I and I was happy. You know, he has a chance to win multiple Super Bowls if, if they're able to build the team around. Um, Patrick Mahomes is going to get like a bajillion dollar con, uh, a year contract soon. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to fit that under the salary cap, but if, if they're able to build this team around him, he's going to be coaching for another five, 10 years, and he has a chance to win multiple, multiple Super Bowls. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, I was so proud. I was so pumped. I was cheering for the Chiefs all the way. And I don't know if you remember way back when we did our initial episode of who was going to be in the Super Bowl, but my pick was actually Philadelphia versus Kansas City with Kansas City winning. Um, so, I mean... I was half right in that situation, but like, like I, I just found that this Super Bowl run was so much like the Eagles Super Bowl run in different ways. The adversity that they faced, so they faced adversity. The Eagles faced being the underdog, and they both took on those roles. I mean, they were missing Mahomes for what four weeks of the season. They their defense started out as one of the weaker defenses in the league and turned around into this really that this not amazing defense, but strong enough defense to, to allow the Mahomes to go out there and put up the points he had to put up. Um, it, it was just, it was just amazing to see what they went through. Uh, I mean, I picked the chiefs all the way because of Patrick Mahomes. And when he started missing time, I was like, Oh shit, maybe I was wrong in my pick, but it, it turned out that, you know, it, it, it went in favor of Andy Reid, and I'm so happy for Andy Reid, especially this solidifies. I know the debate was there, and I debated against him. I said he needs a Super Bowl to get to Canton. Well, now he's going to Canton. I don't and think he needed one to get there, in all honesty. if I mean, there are coaches. I, I, I can't think of off the top of my There are coaches that are in the, the Hall of Fame that, that didn't win anything, and he's better than – he's a top – He I think legitimately he's a top 10 coach of all time. It's amazing. Yeah, like he evolved the game of football. He's most famous for the run pass option and bringing it basically bringing it into the NFL, something that's so vitally important to some of the offenses nowadays. And you look at the coach and tree and the coaches that have come from it. I know coach and tree doesn't matter for getting you to the Hall of Fame, but still that you have to consider that a bit because it's like, wow, look at all those coaches. Look at all that. Look at all those titles that are because of coming off of that tree and it's really amazing it's it's great for Andy Reid yeah it is and, and good for good for LaShawn McCoy but what a slap in the face to not get to play in that Super Bowl Man, well he hasn't he hasn't been active since week 15 and it's it's unfortunate and I'm happy that he's gonna retire as an Eagle and I know there are a lot of people out there that that, that you know because of his quote-unquote character they, they don't they don't care about him or care about that like I'm a huge LaShawn McCoy fan, and, I, and, and I'm with you. I wish he would have gotten a play in the Super Bowl. Um, but when you have those two young, you know, Damian Williams and uh, whoever – I forget who the other Tyron running back is. Thompson. Yeah, you know, when you have when – when you have those running backs. And, and you can see that Shady's sort of kind of lost a step. But I'm happy that he's going to retire as an Eagle. He should. He's the all-time leading rusher. Um, top – definitely one of the top one or two running backs in franchise history. Um, so – 
And I mean, let's let's be serious here. He should never have left, and would never have left if it wasn't for Chip Kelly. Well, if it wasn't for Chip Kelly, Deshaun would have never left. Shady would have never left. Jeremy Macklin would have never left. We would have had a lot more Eagles for life. Yeah, that's very that's very very true. Um, Yeah, and you know, you mentioned how their defense kind of picked it up. It helps when you when you bring in the Honey Badger, who who's a really good player, and then they they made the the claim on Terrell Suggs helping their pass rush. You know, they went out and made moves to solidify their team, solidify their defense to build for the future. And it also helps that, you know, the Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots because if the Patriots win that game, the Patriots get home field and Kansas City is playing the the wild card round. They're playing Tennessee in the wild card round of the playoffs. So a lot of things had to go in their favor just, you know, and it, it worked out for them. It, it, it helps, again, that you have a superstar quarterback who can go out and do a lot can do almost anything can make any throw and doesn't get phased when he turns the ball over i mean the man dislocated his kneecap and then led the team to the super bowl like that i can't even fathom dislocating my kneecap and coming back at all or having the consideration of coming back to play football that year so i mean that's just it's it's amazing yeah like you said he's gonna get a ridiculous contract and how kansas city works that uh, I mean, we know that the salary cap goes up on average $10 million a year, but this man's probably odds are pretty good. If Dak Prescott's looking for more than $33 million, my estimate is in the 45 to $50 million AAV range yes. for, for Patrick Mahomes. And the way that they work that within the cap, that will speak to the executives that they have in charge for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so congratulations again. goes out to Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now let's move to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they spent the better part of like a month interviewing candidates for their open offensive coordinator position. And at the end of it, this is Doug Peterson's offense. This is Doug Peterson's team. He, he, he wasn't going to give up play calling, which in my opinion, I think he should, but again, what do I know? Um, so Doug Peterson is quote unquote, the offensive coordinator. Um, they moved some, you know, Press Taylor went, is the quarterback's coach and the passing game coordinator. Matt Burke, um, who was just the defensive assistant last year, takes over as the defensive line coach. Marquand Manuel, the former Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator, comes as a defensive backs coach, taking over for Corey Unlin, who is the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator now. Aaron Moorhead is now the wide receiver coach, taking over for – what the heck was our um, – why can't I remember who our – Wide receiver coach was. What was it? Well, Carson. Yes, Carson Welch. Walsh. Thank you, Carson yeah. Walsh. Um, and then they brought in a couple, three guys from the, uh, to help out on the offense. They brought in Rich Scangarello, who's going to be a senior offensive assistant. He was the offensive coordinator with um, the Broncos last year, and he worked well with Drew Luck. Drew Luck went like four and one down the stretch, um, and he he was able to put some creative things in on the offense. Andrew Briner is going to be a pass game analyst and TJ Paganetti, who's assistant run game coordinator and assistant running backs coach. He's going to be working with Deuce first. When it co- I don't know how the Eagles are going to be able to keep Deuce after this year. Um, unless just Deuce just doesn't want to leave. He's going to want an offensive coordinator position because he's going to want to eventually be a head coach in the NFL. Do you think Deuce should feel slighted with the, the moves? And do you think that the Eagles didn't name an offensive coordinator because of that, if they would have named somebody else offensive coordinator, they would Deuce would have probably just walked. Well, I mean, I think the big thing when when considering the whole situation with an offensive coordinator was simply what you said a minute ago. He doesn't want Peterson doesn't want to give up the play calling, and people want that offensive coordinator position to you know be that jump off point to their first head coaching gig. And essentially, if you you can't get that head coaching gig being a senior assistant or a passing game coordinator. Uh, I kind of disagree I mean, with that may, because maybe, John maybe. Harbaugh or J- J- Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, um, he went from you know being the Eagles special team coach to coaching linebackers or the secondary, I forget which one, to being the, to being a really, really good head coach um, with the Baltimore Ravens obviously having won a Super Bowl. So it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it could happen. I just think being an offensive coordinator gives you that more more of that advantage because you're doing the play calling, you're doing a lot more of the game planning, and but yeah, for Deuce, yep, I'd probably feel a little bit 
pissed off with the direction they went, but I get it. Press Taylor was your quarterback's coach. He's built a relationship with the quarterbacks. McCowan, Sudfeld, Carson Wentz, most importantly and all importantly. So it makes sense that he be the passing game coordinator. It makes sense that, you know, this be the situation that it is and that the running game coordinator remain who it was last year as well. Um, it just sucks for Deuce. And like you said, yeah, eventually we're probably going to lose him or something's got to give there because i mean they clearly covet press taylor quite a bit and i mean if he's anything like his brother zach who's off in cincinnati <laughs> as a head coach you never know what's going to happen i think the Bengals are going to start to really turn around once they get the right quarterback and some protection around their their quarterback but i mean clearly they covet press taylor like zach taylor's being coveted as a head coach so i mean there's something there that clearly we don't see but maybe there's something that they see behind the scenes that we don't need to see. So my but, my my only thing is when it, when it comes to the do you know trying to be an offense, Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator for Kansas City, and he does call plays because Andy Reid doesn't call plays anymore. You know, he he's been interviewing the last two three years and hasn't gotten hired. And I think he's a real like he is somebody who I would hire as a head coach. I think he has a bright future. You know, why? that's why I don't think you necessarily have to be an offensive coordinator. I can't believe he didn't. I can't uh-huh. believe Kevin Stefanski got a job before him. And Robert be Sala, the defensive, the defensive coordinator for um for San Francisco. San like, the, after that Minnesota-San Francisco playoff game, when his defense stymied Stefanski's offense, they go and hire Stefanski. Like, that made zero sense to me. No, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. The enemy should have a job, and I mean, why he doesn't have a job or why he hasn't gotten a job is is really beyond me. And, I mean, ain't good for Andy Reid, good for the Chiefs. People are just going to – they might be feeding the Chiefs another Super Bowl by allowing them to keep the enemy there with Andy Reid. Um, but ultimately, eventually they're going to realize, eventually they're going to see who the enemy is and what he brings to their team and what he brings to their offense – and, I mean, it's a shame he hasn't gotten hired somewhere else, but I think this may be the final year, especially if the Chiefs can make another run, deep run, maybe even another Super Bowl run. Um, I think you'll see that that the enemy get a job for I, and I also, sure. And I also think that's why Andy Reid de, um, declined to allow Mike Kafka to interview here for the offensive position, offensive coordinator position because he thinks he's going to lose the enemy with, you know, possibly next year, and Kafka can slide right in to being his offensive coordinator. Um, you know, there were names that the Eagles were looking at Kafka and urban with the, the James urban with the Ravens. So hopefully that this, you know, the, the Niners, the Rams and the Cardinals all don't have offensive coordinators. You know, they have the, the head coach who calls the plays and then they'll have a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator. Jeff Stoutland's the Eagles run game coordinator. Press Taylor's going to be the pass game coordinator. Scangarello is going to help out. Um, you know, bring in hopefully some fresh ideas, which is what I wanted the Eagles to do. Bring in a fresh face. Um, I don't, I, I don't know anything about. Like, I, I don't know what type of you know system he, he's he's or what type of type of ideas he's going to bring in. But hopefully, it's something new and we don't see the same old, same old. Because Doug Peterson got very, very predictable. Granite, they were doing it with you know Greg Ward and Boston Scott, and he didn't have, you know, he they're going to go out and you know, Deshaun will be healthy next year, hopefully. They're going to go out and draft a hopefully like a Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, somebody like that. You know, bring in young speedsters. Um, the, Miles Sanders is going to be in the second year. He's going to be good. You know, they're going to finally have all the pieces together with a healthy Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. They should be able to design, do different designs and run a different type of offense to bring back the explosiveness of 2017. Now, let, let's be very, very careful and use the word healthy very, you know, let's not use it so aggressively this offseason because we don't know if they're going to be healthy next year. Only, we never well, know what's well, going to happen in the next but year. But we, we also did bring in a whole another new train, some, you know, head of head of athletic training, a new strength and conditioning coach. So hopefully, yeah, the, the, the hopefully new head of change. the new head of medicine or whatever. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he that with the Minnesota Vikings, they've won team awards and individual awards. Um but I mean, if you checked out, if you checked out the uh, the Kelly Green Hour that featured uh, F at uh, the Fantasy Football Doctor, that was he, a good show, by the way. 
Thank you. He basically kind of pointed out it doesn't matter who's on staff necessarily. He's um, talking about um, Tom Hoon Kelly. I think that's yep. how he says that. Yeah. And then yep, they brought in Ted the Rath, who's the director of sports performance. Um, so, yeah, hope, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, we, at this point, we have to pray because we need we need some good health. Even the year we won the Super Bowl, health was a question mark. So if we could get a year where we get good health, I mean, we'd probably be in a good spot. But, I mean, since you brought up next year, I guess we'll move on from the offensive coordinator strategy into Eagles players staying and going. Like we kind of had mentioned, we're going to, or like me and you talked about, we're going to do a free a show all around the free agency and all around the draft, each their own separate show down the road. But we do have like 15 players uh, set to become unrestricted or restricted free agents or have team options. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's quickly run through these guys and see who we want to stay and who we want to go. How about that? Sounds good to me. Jalen Mills. You got him staying or going? Um, well, Ronald Darby's not coming back. He's, uh, I'm sure he's probably on your list. He absolutely uh, isn't. He's on my go. Yeah, he's like that's an what exclamation point. Yeah, he's going to go. Um, I say yes, they bring him back, but it wouldn't shock me if, because Corey Allen likes him a lot, if he goes to Detroit. Um, they give him a good contract. He was a seventh-round pick, so he, he's, he's going to want a payday. And yes, the Eagles have about $40, $45 million, but they have other – I mean, while corner is a huge need, Jalen Mills isn't – yes, he's the best corner, but that's like you know, being the best of the worst because our corners were not mm-hmm. that great. Um, I, they're gonna, I think they're going to want to bring him back to be a starter on one side. It's just a matter of is he willing to take – I don't want to say a cheaper – contract but it's not going to be something that's going to be that he's looking for i think but i think he does come back no yeah i'm the same way i have him staying i wanted to put team friendly i mean we we sit there and we say oh 40 million that's a lot it's not actually a ton of money when you when you think about it if you go out and you get a couple studs that's probably at least 20 million of your money gone like it's not necessarily a ton of money so we have to be smart we're not going to address every single need and get studs at each of the positions of needs it's going to be smart drafting and smart free agency but because it's a cba year howie cannot do any of his cap magic there is no pushing anything down the road so unfortunately we kind of have to play with the 40 million we have and there's no restructuring that can be done this year everything lands in this year um So for me, Jalen Mills is a stay because, you know, he's a good off-ball cornerback. He's showing that. I mean, he he's decent at keeping the play in front of him. I think if we can get him I, to stay, yes, he's not a man-to-man corner, though. So as long as he's not on that man-to-man guy, he's not that person who's on the number one receiver, I think he'll be pretty good in a secondary. That's why I wouldn't be surprised to see him go elsewhere because some other team sees that and has the money and wants to pay him. So... I want to see him stay, but I don't necessarily believe he will be staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also next... could move to safety, possibly, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next one is a club option, Nigel Bradham. If we keep him, I think he's a $10 million hit. If we choose to move on from him, I think he's a $4 million hit because of the way his contract was restructured uh, by Howie. So we wouldn't save a ton of money, but we would save money. Nonetheless, do you have him staying or do you have him going? I have him staying. Staying on a restructured contract, I think that they'll be able to restructure his deal um, a little bit. Um, plus, we don't have any linebackers, and we know they don't really value linebackers, but he knows the system. Jim Schwartz loves him. And, you know, again, it's another – he's the best of the worst. He's our best linebacker right now. Um, and I think you will have him for one more year, and then he's gone. Yeah, I'm going to – unless Howie has a plan, I have him going. But how he needs to have a plan because, like, so Camus J Hill is also a free agent. I have him staying. He's younger. There's potential there. But with Nigel Bradham, I just, if you're going to revamp the linebackers, go take, take that $4 million, save that $4.5 million, and go draft one, go sign some. I think it need, we need, like, almost an entire revamp of the linebacker position. And it starts with, getting rid of that club option on Nigel Bradham for sure. So I have him going. 
I know that we can't get rid of everybody, so it's difficult because they may find a way to keep them around. But there's not a whole, whole lot of restructuring you can do because of the CBA year. Um, so speaking of Camus Grugier-Hill, do you have him staying or going? Um, I don't see him as a starting linebacker, and he's kind of like a, just a special teammate. And we traded for Duke Riley, who ended up becoming, after Grugier-Hill got hurt, they put the the, cap, the special teams captain on Duke Riley. and I, So I think they're going to allow Grugier-Hill to see if he can get a contract elsewhere. And if he can, they'll let him go. If he can't, they'll bring him back on like a one-year one um, lower deal. But I, I think he's gone. Okay, um, and so next we'll go. Well, we already did. We already discussed Derby. Derby's gone. So how about Rodney? Rodney McLeod. So this is so an interesting I wanna, one. I want to. I want you to combine Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney. Yeah, McLeod we, because, that's what I was going to say. Let's talk safety position in general because Jenkins is a club option, but clearly Jenkins wants more money. He deserves more money. He's playing worth more money. Rodney McLeod, on the other hand, just came back from an injury. He played extremely well, but he's heading towards the wrong side of thirty and not so, playing to necessarily to the level that you want to go forking out a ton more money. So, thoughts? This is tough just because I like both of them. Um, and mm-hmm. Malcolm, Malcolm hasn't missed a play in like four years, it seems like. Um, and he plays special teams. He's all over the field. The only issue with him, he's kind of like a linebacker now. He doesn't really play the safety. They bring in the third safety, like a Rudy Ford or whoever, and they put him back there. Um, that that's kind of what happened. It's like a hybrid guy. He plays corner. Yeah, that's what, that's, he plays that's, that's what happened on that, on that play, that third down play at the end of the Seahawks playoff game. You know, Rudy Ford just was out of position. They have to upgrade the, the safety position, especially mm-hmm. for depth purposes. So I think Malcolm comes back. And a lot of that has to do with his leadership. He is such a leader in the locker room and he kept the team together, him and Carson. So I think he comes back. And unfortunately, unless unless he doesn't get any deals that he, that he's looking for, I think McLeod is gone. But if he doesn't get any deals, he he also could come back on like a one year deal. But they have to get younger at the safety position. And if they if one of them goes, that's where we'll see Avante Maddox or Russell Douglas, you know, take over the other safety spot. So I think Mal- Jenkins is back. McLeod is gone, unfortunately. Agreed. Uh, I think I'm the same way. Rodney McLeod, I think, will end up commanding more money than we can give him. And if we have to re- if we have to restructure Malcolm Jenkins to give him more money, I think that more money comes from getting rid of McLeod and going to address the safety position with a cheaper free agent option, cheaper younger free agent option, and obviously definitely has to be addressed through the draft at least one safety. Same with the linebacker. The whole defense as a whole just needs to get younger. I don't see it so bad on the offensive side of the ball, but that defensive side of the ball has got to get a lot younger and it needs to happen while you have guys like Jenkins who can be mentors and leaders for the safety that you bring in who you draft or the 24 year old safety who you're signing through free agency you want to do it while those guys can still play and can be good leaders so I have definitely I have Jenkins staying and I'm a cloud going on that one as well um, this one I think is easy because we hate to say it, but we drafted the replacement. It's time to move on. Jason Peters. He's so, a go for me, no doubt. What um, about you? If he's willing to move to left guard, I bring him back. But if he's not willing to move to left guard, he's gone. That easy enough for you? That is as simple as it gets. I mean, we like like we said, we drafted the replacement. It's time to move on unless he's willing to do something else along the offensive line that helps the team. Definitely, I agree. While we're along that offensive line, how about Halipuli Vati Vaitai? Um, he's a great depth piece. We saw him, you know, was able to insert in there when Brandon Brooks went out, and he did his job. He was on the Super Bowl team. I think somebody's going to give him a starter's contract. Um, and if that happens, he's gone. And I think that somebody's going to be willing to give him a bunch of money, um, to be a starter. So he'll be gone. Yeah, I want to. I want to say. I say stay because I want him to stay. But yeah, I think he's going to end up getting another job elsewhere where they're actually going to put him in as a starter and he won't have to rotate like he's doing with us. So I want him to stay. But just like with Rodney McLeod, money talks and a starting job absolutely talks for a guy like Vitai, who's been stuck as a depth piece for so long with us, but done an incredible job as a depth piece. Um, the next one's a real easy one. Nelson Aguilar, do we need to talk too much? <laughs> yeah, he's gone. 
He's gone. Yes, sir. He's absolutely Uh, gone. And you know what? I would be shocked if someone gives him money and a starting job elsewhere, especially after the performance he put up this year. He had the golden opportunity to get paid by playing well when everyone went down, and he played like garbage. He played like first-year Nelson. Like that first year where all he did was drop the ball. There wasn't that much hustle. You were like, why did we even pick this guy? So he had a golden opportunity and he screwed it up and he's going to lose. He he got paid $9 million this year and I'd be shocked if someone gave him half that amount to come on as a receiver. Yeah, and then, you know, he, he's going to have to fight his way onto a roster, but it won't. He needs a change of scenery. He's a change of scenery guy. Um, So, yeah, he's not coming back. And then this is another case where the Eagles just have to revamp that wide receiver room. Yep. Um, next up, Nate, uh, just a couple more. Nate Sudfeld. I got him staying because I think he's going to be an extremely cheap backup option who's been around long enough. He knows the offense. I don't think it gets much cheaper than keeping him around. And we put the tender on him last year, so something tells me we're going to keep him around because you're not going to tender a guy because you don't like him or because you don't think there's a future there. So I don't I don't see any team aggressively pursuing him. So your thoughts? Um, I don't think he comes back. I, I mean, I, I know he was hurt, and that's why they brought in Josh McCown. Um, I, I think that they're going to try to go and, and upgrade. And they, they, they could bring in a case Keenum. I'm not, I think he's better than, than Sudfeld. Um, they could maybe bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think he's going to leave the Dolphins. So I think they're going to look to upgrade the, the backup quarterback position, and it's not going to be Sudfeld. Heck, it could even be McCown, but it's going to be somebody other than Sudfeld. Yeah. Um, next up, I got Jordan Howard. I have him as a go. Um, I loved him in our offense. I loved what he can do. Obviously, he's an extremely capable running back. Um, but I think that we saw all we needed to with Miles Sanders. And, and Jordan Howard's going to commend a decent contract, I think. Um, but and but there are some guys through the draft who can be really good thunder to to the lightning that is Miles Sanders. So I'm saying if you go draft later in the draft, third round, fourth round, fifth round, there's some options there that they might be able to consider that would be a lot cheaper than Jordan Howard and bring a very similar play style minus the experience in the NFL. What are your thoughts for Howard? I think Howard does come back. I like the one-two punch with him and Sanders. Um, Sanders will be the starter. You know, they're they're thunder and lightning and. I think with the injury he had down the stretch, that's kind of going to dilute his uh, his worthiness. I think to, to to other people. Granted, he's still young, and you know, third, I think third or fourth most rushing yards since he's come into the league. Um, but I, I and I think he really wants to be in Philly. I, I think a lot, he loves Deuce Staley just like every other running back. All the running backs mm-hmm. have nothing but good things to say about Deuce Staley. So I think he'll come back. It, it may even be a one or two year deal, but he'll come back. And provide that um, thunder to the light to the lightning of uh, Miles Sanders. Absolutely, no matter what, if we move on from Howard, you gotta find someone who's gonna bring thunder. I saw something with a prediction of Melvin Gordon. Please, no, we're not going that direction. If the man wouldn't take a pay cut for the LA Chargers, he's not gonna take a pay cut to come to Philadelphia. So to be a backup role. Yeah, to be essentially to be thunder to somebody else's lightning. Good luck with that. Finally, the last one, I have him staying as long as it's a team-friendly deal, but we definitely, definitely got to get younger behind Malik Jackson, who hopefully, fingers crossed, plays for us next year, and Fletcher Cox. Timmy Jernigan, do you got him staying or going? Um, He played really well this year, and I think that that's going to allow him to get a decent contract. You know, I thought the same thing last year when he came back on a one-year deal. So I think he's going to go because I don't think that he's going to get the contract that he wants offered to him, or he's going to get a contract that he wants offered and a chance to start. But again, it's another piece where if he doesn't, he'll come back on a one-year deal. I think that, that trio of tackles that we have when healthy, you know, they're really, really good. Um, but they also, they, but you're right. They also do have to get younger and they like Hassan Ridgeway. Um, they, they like Anthony Rush. They, they got some young guys behind them. So we'll see. But I think unfortunately, Tim Jernigan's gone. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I, so I listened to a, podcast the other day at the spot track podcast and they were talking about the nfl and the cba and the impact on contracts this year and during that 
podcast, the guy said you will see a ton of one-year deals this year because you can't restructure, because you can't push money down the line, because you don't know what the league looks like in the next year. You don't. So there's well, not I mean, much that, that, that you could can do. change because there, there's a lot of talk of, of a CBA could be agreed upon by free agency or by the draft time. So well, hopefully, yeah. well, which yeah, hopefully. is coming some quick. The yeah, draft is two weeks away and the free agency opens Drafts in, in like 30. Five days or draft. Sorry, sorry. Two months. Free agency starts in 30 some days and then it's the draft that's like 60 days away. But that's that. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked to see it happen, but we'll see. They are voting on a bunch of things. Do you think there will be a 17th game? I would love to see it, but it's going to be at the expense, which is fine. It's going to be at the expense of the preseason, which is absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Obviously, if if we get another week of meaningful football and we can scrap two weeks, three weeks, just scrap the preseason altogether, I would be absolutely Well, they won't do that. It's still going to be 20 games, so it'll be 17. They'll get rid of one, and then when they eventually go to 18-game regular season, they'll get rid of a second preseason game. Um, so like they'll just get rid of one preseason game for a regular season game, which my question then becomes that 17th game. We already have eight home games, eight way games. Is it a neutral site game? How do they determine who gets the extra home game? There's a lot of things that do have to be um, figured out before that, before they come to that final decision. All I know is thank God we're not the Jags. <laughs> They're they're gonna Two be in London. They're, in they're London. gonna be in London. Oof. They're gonna be the London Jaguars in in a couple years. So like, uh, does anybody in Jacksonville actually care that they have two games in London? Because are there even Jacksonville fans? Is the question. Like, they're gonna be the I London. See, you know what? They're gonna be you the know, London Jaguars buddy, in two years. My buddy told me when it happened, and my buddy was more upset than my other buddy who's a Jags fan. My buddy, who's a Raiders fan, and me were more upset for the Jaguars as a team than the Jaguars fans were. I don't so, know how they're. I don't know how they're going to get anybody to want to play there, or play for that team in free agency. Like, I have no idea how they're going to attract free agents. And they're paying Nick Foles on a massive wasted contract. But hey, if, if I digress, here we go. Here, here's a, here's a quick question before we. If they cut Nick Foles, do you bring him back as the backup? If he takes a massive pay cut, like we're talking like if you want to come back for four or five million dollars, six million dollars, absolutely. Because yeah, well, he's already he going to get paid all if, that guaranteed money. Yeah, if he gets cut, he gets all the, whatever his guarantee was, which I think was like 40-ish or whatever, uh, 40 to 50 mil. Like if that happens, he gets all that money. He don't need a big-time contract. He can just come back here where he plays well, where he loves it. And be the backup. I don't I, now. My only question is, can Carson handle that? That's where the big question comes to. I think Carson would be able to handle. It. I think Carson's a bigger guy than that. But I mean, you. But some fans have made it very seemingly very hard for Carson Wentz to be okay with him coming back because fuck, they want a statue. They want a statue of Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. There if is Nick a statue Foles of Nick Foles. That, if Nick Foles plays that entire season. We do. We're not, I, we don't win the Super Bowl. It's a whole different playoffs. Game. We probably don't make the playoffs. Exactly. So I mean, uh, whatever. If if I was Carson Wentz, I'd be like, bring in whoever you need to back me up. But I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to shut up the critics, the injury prone critics. And he's well, not so injury prone, especially he, he is not injury prone because of a concussion. Please, I am so tired of hearing about that. Well, it was it was a a legal hit. So yes. Right. So yeah, now let's let's uh, we'll move on to something that should be equally frustrating. You want to talk awards? Awards snubs? Well, we'll we'll make it quick. Miles Sanders should have been the offensive rookie of the year because you know he 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 had over 1600 rushing yards and he pretty much changed the dynamic of the Eagles offense when he became inserted. He was really good. You know, he beat out Josh. He had more yards than Josh Jacobs. Kyler Murray only got it because he's a freaking quarterback. I love Kyler Murray. I that, get it. That pisses me off. I get because it because I think. He should, he was fourth in line. Miles Sanders was the best rookie on the offensive side of the ball. And when it comes to comeback player of the year, they gave that to Ryan Tannehill. They were going to give it to a quarterback. It should have went to Jimmy Garoppolo, who got hurt Mm -hmm. early last year. But Brandon Brooks, after tearing his Achilles, 
that injury sucks as it is, but to do it as an over 300-pound man and be back playing week one is astounding. The fact that mm-hmm. that happened, I don't know how he didn't get the, the comeback rookie of the year or comeback player of the year, excuse me. It, it's yeah. almost like back in 2017 when Doug Peterson got one vote for coach of the year. It's it's baloney. It's baloney. I don't know if the voters are actually watch the game of football. Yeah, I'll I'll be quick with it too. Uh, I just saw they just released the top 101 on PFF, which I know you hate PFF, but whatever. Brandon Brooks was ranked fifth. I can guarantee you Ryan Tannehill was nowhere near that, and Brandon Brooks came back from, like you said, the Achilles tear. A lot of people on Twitter were in an uproar about it and were saying, what did he come back from, a shitty situation? Like, that's not a comeback player of the year eligible player, I don't think, just because you got out of the disgustingly, the disgusting grasp of Adam Gaze and his horrible coaching. That can t- makes you a comeback player of the year. I'm sorry. that No, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brandon Brooks by far and i think it has to be brandon brooks for sure um as far as rookie of the year like you said it's all because he was a quarterback i hate that kyler murray got that i i had him fourth honestly i had sanders jacobs brown then i would have put kyler murray because the team didn't even do that good so i mean they were what four and twelve five and eleven they weren't even that good it's not worthwhile if he had brought them to 500 or something i would have you could have been you would have been able to talk a bit then but no Kyler Murray did not deserve that whatsoever. Like you said, probably because two quarterbacks who got some, well, Kyler Murray just because he was a rookie quarterback and Ryan Tannehill because look at their their happy story, the feel-good story that the Titans were. So, Yeah, probably. It still was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. All right. Uh, final thing we want to talk about. Let's talk about the new coaches around the league. We'll stick in the, we'll stick in the division, actually. Mike McCarthy, now the Dallas coach, Ron Rivera, the Washington coach, Joe Judge, the Giants coach, you know, that's how good Doug Peterson is. He got all the coaches in the division fired. <laughs> um, I think if I had to rank them, I would go Ron Rivera, and, and this is in terms of, you know, best hired, worst hired, best to worst, I guess, worst for the lack of a better term, Ron Rivera, McCarthy, and then Judge, only, and that's only because I don't know Joe Judge. Uh, even though Joe Judge is from like this the, the Philly area, um, but who knows how he's going to be as a coach? But Ron Rivera is going to bring stability to to Washington. The only thing that's going to keep him from winning anything is Daniel Snyder. They won't win anything mm-hmm. with him owning that team. Mike McCarthy yep. won one Super Bowl with an all-time great quarterback, and he's well, just he, a yes man for yeah, the Joneses. Pretty just much, another and he, one. he could claim he could claim that he's going to do things differently, but you kind of are set in stone with what you like to do. So when, 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 you know, things get down, you know, down and you need to make a play call, he'll just revert back to his old ways. And again, I can't really say how Joe judge is going to do, you know, he brought in Jason Garrett to be his offensive coordinator. Freddie kitchens is his tight ends coach. Um, we'll see. Um, but I, again, stability within the Philadelphia Eagles at the head coaching position, the GM spot, and that owner is what is going to keep the Eagles in position winning this division for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll go quick for my point. I said it at the start of last year. I think the Redskins are an underrated team, a team that is definitely going to get there. And I wouldn't be you. You'll probably see with Ron Rivera them taking some big steps ahead over the next couple of years. How far ahead? That's tough to say, but they got a lot of talent there. They have some really good players, and they're about to dump some people who were cap casualties for the team, like Chris Thompson and Paul Richardson and stuff, so they'll be able to continue to get younger at some positions. They got like a guy like Bryce Love coming back. Terry McLaurin was huge for them. I'm big on Calvin Harmon. I think that offense is a chance to be really good. So, and Ron Rivera is a... Fair, really, really fairly good coach and a really good defensive minded coach. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on offense. I agree with you putting Rivera number one. McCarthy's number two for the same reason. We don't really know about Judge. Now, if I was put in situationally, I would put Judge number two because I think the Giants have a better team situation based on the young players that they have coming up and if they can really do have a good draft this year. But, you know, Kettleman, you never know. Everybody's like, oh, Chase Young will be the pick at three. I wouldn't be surprised if he went completely off the board and pulled the Mike Mayock of this year 
by when he took Cleveland Farrell. You just don't know with Gettleman, so similar situation there. But the Cowboys, they're just going to be cap-strapped. They don't know who to keep. They don't know who they can keep. Um, And McCarthy, like we said, he's just a yes-man. He's just going to be another yes-man for Steven and Jerry Jones, and that's exactly what they want. And like you said, if he could not do anything with an all-time great like Aaron Rodgers, what is going to make you think that he can do anything with a mediocre Dak Prescott who gets a ton of air yards thanks to garbage time? Um, yeah, not so sure there. But the Giants and the Redskins have the right roster build, or they're heading in the right direction as far as a roster build. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Judge and Rivera start to turn those teams around. As for McCarthy, yeah, he's just a yes man with a mediocre quarterback. And he could revert back to old habits, like you said, which would not be good for the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, especially when Dak is wanting, what, $35, $40 million. Well, he turned him $33 million and wants more. So let's, like, come on there, Dak. Like, $35. They're already paying paying Zeke. They got to pay Amari somehow, pay Byron Jones. They're not going to be able to pay everybody. Um, So it'll be interesting. Maybe, uh, and again, I I don't like bringing former Cowboys into the Eagles, which obviously we'll talk free agency down the road. But there are a couple players, you know, when you're talking about of Amari Cooper and Byron Jones at two positions the Eagles mm-hmm. really need to get younger and better at and physical at, there's two players that the Eagles could possibly have interest in. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure down the road because we're going to do a free agency show and we're going to do a draft show. So I cannot wait. Yes, it'll be fun. Um, I'm glad we were able to get this in it's been a while um we do have mm-hmm. the kelly green hour does have their own twitter at kelly green hour um follow us on twitter connor can be followed at connor 10 that's connor tn and i can be followed at lj harrell 54 um connor is all about you know fantasy the fantasy world and uh fantasy football world i should say um and when you get a chance watch all or nothing i thought it was pretty good kind of got like an inside look now, you, you didn't get as much of an inside look as poss- previous seasons, but still, you got an inside look at, at, at things and, you know, the interviews with Brandon Graham was the star of the show, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, definitely watch uh, R and Yeah, I'll watch that. Maybe Eagles. we'll maybe we'll tag it in their show. We'll kind of talk about what we thought because, yeah, it's definitely on my to-watch list big time. Yeah, definitely. All right, for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.